to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Turman. I am your moderator, and if you can hear the sound of my voice, it means I finally put up like three episodes that we've recorded so far. With me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hello, Dan. The bringer of pizza. Bringer of pizza and musical director, Scott Reed. Musical co-writer. Uh, with me, Scott oh. Reed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, more on that later. Dan, Interesting. will you please pray for us? Sure. Father God, we thank you so much for this afternoon. Thanks for the chance to be together. Lord, we ask that you would guide our hearts and minds toward the places where you want them to go in this conversation. It may be beneficial to those who are listening. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Ooh, Scott, you said you had a big idea. I did. What's rather? the big idea? You said it was gargantuan. I did not. Perhaps the best idea you've ever had. I didn't say that. Is that a direct my friend quote is hyperbole. About <laughs> Toastmasters. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty good idea. Because there's only three of us. He's downplaying it now. He's downplaying He's trying to back I never out. said it was He's a trying great to back idea. Out. Listeners, <laughs> come find Scott and be like, that That idea was what I said. Honest was, opinion about I had it. an idea right as Max and I made eye contact That's before right. the show started. That's and right. then I had this weird look on my face because I was like literally the moment the idea entered my brain I also made eye contact with Max and I didn't know what to do. That's true. Dan, you are so tan. Just as an aside, you are so tan right now. Oh, I guess I spent a lot of time in the sun. Where did you go? We're all back. We weren't here last week. We recorded an episode explaining where we'd all be next week and then we all went on vacation and as a result of my vacation I didn't have time to edit the show that would explain why we weren't here last week. So, Dan, where did you go? I was in the upper Midwest, upper Minnesota and I like that you keep it a secret. You're like, I was in the upper Midwest. Minnesota and Wisconsin. It's like you're an Airbnb. I was in the upper Midwestern Hemisphere. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I saw your favorite... uh, Pizza establishment. Did you pizza, really? Pizza Ranch. Pizza Ranch. No. <laughs> many, many chains. Ranch. Many, many. Oh, were there people in it? Oh, lots of people. Oh, no. Well, that's good. The last time I told the story, I cried. I told <laughs> Renata's story, and I freaking cried. Uh, short version, Scott and I drove across the country. It was you and I, right? Oh, yeah. Stopped at a Pizza Ranch. Well, two years prior, I drove across the same stretch with my brother. But uh, stopped at a Pizza Ranch, which is just a chain of pizza uh, yeah. buffet restaurants and we were the only people and this is I mean this is a restaurant that is no smaller than the lobby and and mm. sanctuary combined um, possibly the lobby sanctuary and common grounds like this was a massive complex of pizza buffet we were the only ones there the pizza was not very good and I cried because I was like this little establishment is falling apart and someone opened this and there was like their dream to like run a pizza ranch and they're living it but it's a disaster I don't know why but that just hits me right in the the feels oh right in the heart I told someone about that pretty recently I don't remember. It might have been some of the young adults. I can't remember. I think it maybe was me. Like, if you ever, it might have, it might have been you. Maybe that's why you brought it up. I did. Uh, I was like, if you ever tell, if you ever mention the word pizza Mac to pizza ranch to Max, oh, you will see word. visibly his face. Oh my word! That's why I brought it up. That's gonna ruin this whole episode. Oh, I'm gonna be thinking no, about pizza ranch. No, because uh, I got my greatest idea. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> Finally owns it. I need you to. Now, I think you're gonna like. Did it. you go to pizza ranch? I did not. I just saw it and thought of you, Dan. Dan can I need your help, Dan. Dan I can't, can't really eat pizza. pizza. What kind of a friend? Wink. You brought pizza today <laughs> to the staff meeting. Yes. But he didn't eat it. Oh, really? Well, 
at the staff meeting. At the staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Scott, give us the best idea you've ever had in your entire life. All right. So, as you know, Max, but I'm not sure if I've yes, ever said it on the podcast, I think pretty much every time we've had a podcast, only three people, I've tried to find three ways yes. would you rather. Yes. And I just, it's just like impossible. Yep. So, my idea was to combine my, my dream of three way would you rather yes. with. The random pairing yes. would you rather's yes. to get random three way yes. would you rather's. I'm so excited for the return of randomized. This is the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> Thank you. Listeners, my um, fists are clenched and raised a good two feet above my head right now. I'm so excited. That's true. That so what we're going to do pizza ranch, is I'm going to read. I don't know how many we'll do. We'll, we'll feel it out. Oh, I'm going to read. Doesn't matter. Let's just do the whole show of these. The three in a row. Just like kind of working my way down through the questions on one card. There okay. are four questions on a card, but okay. I'm just going to do three of them. Okay. Um, I'm so excited. And then what I want you to do is I want you, and it's not like Toastmasters. It's just one question per person. Okay. Yep. I want you to rank them. Ooh. First, second, and third of like the one I most <laughs> want to do, the one I least want to do, and the one that's all right. Perfect. All right. Let's go. I haven't read these at all. Um, oh, that's the point. So, Max, your would your three options are being knocked down by a six foot five man weighing three hundred pounds who is jogging. <laughs> Love it. Or as a man, find out that your fly was open all day. <laughs> or be lost in the wilderness with only a compass. <laughs> uh, so I work from home. So the most of the people I interact with on a daily basis is like you guys on Wednesdays. <laughs> nice. Um, so I would say uh, I'm going to start with I'd rather have my fly down all day and not realize it. Okay. Because um, also, uh, you know, I think my shirts are pretty long. So like overall, I, I, think, I think I can get away with it. There you go. Um, especially if you have a shirt tucked in, then, you know, you're totally cool. Um, next uh, would be getting knocked down by the jogging man. Uh, and then last would be lost in the wilderness without a compass. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, it that's is fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to leave this card out. We're going to come back to the other three options Ooh. for those three cards in a, in a minute. Oh, maybe round two. Um, Dan. <laughs> yes. Great. I was trying to figure out how I was going to do it. He's loading. Dan, your three <laughs> options are being regularly. Sorry. Would you rather regularly regularly experience intense sinus pressure? Oh, just like right now. All right. <laughs> but regularly. Regularly. Or have to watch with your friends a video of every argument you've ever had with your siblings. Oh. Or be the last ranked person in an accelerated high school class. <laughs> hmm. And you, you put them in order. Let's go. I'd rather watch every argument I've had with my sister first. Okay. Then... Be ranked last okay. in the class and then have regular sinus pressure just because oh, it's yeah. not fun. Gotcha. Amen. Gotcha. Amen. All right. Cool. Um, would I rather be forced to sit deadly still for 12 hours straight but not sleep, mm. <coughs> have brown teeth, <laughs> okay. or discover that the flying saucer crash near Roswell, New Mexico really happened and be able to prove it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, How would you come into this evidence? <laughs> I thought I was going to say I'd not be able to prove it. But it definitely says I'd be able to prove it. Uh, that's the risk you play when you just do random. That's right. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes you get a good Well, one. I think I would start, obviously, with being able <laughs> with to prove. brown teeth. <laughs> brown teeth. I doesn't love that. With the saucer, being able to prove the flying saucer crash yep. was real yep and then be forced to sit deadly still for 12 hours and then have brown teeth mm. 
Because I'm assuming the brown teeth is like forever. That's that's right. Yeah. Would that's you go right. to prison for being able to prove that Roswell happened? Would the government imprison you? That's a great question. Would you be hauled off into custody and never seen from a being? Well, so here's the question. Is it treason if you were never told the information officially, mm. right? If you stumbled across it and then share it, is that still treason? I think oh. it could still be treason. I don't know if this is treason, but okay. I feel like that could still be treason. That's the ultimate question, listeners. True. The whole Bloomingdale Church podcast, last 70 episodes, right have led to this. <laughs> All right. So All now right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Start with the card that I just used. Okay. Read the other three options for you. Okay. And then and go back up. And then I guess I'll switch these two so that we're not doing the same up. Op- the other yeah. options are the same questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. All right. So Max, would you rather keep constantly moving, walking, running, driving, etc., for thirty-six hours straight, or in there. have a hairline just one half inch above your eyebrows? Usually people talk about receding hairlines. This is an aggressive hairline. Or know the truth about who killed JFK and be able to prove it. And and be able to prove it. And be able to prove it. Oh, I I gotta start with the hairline. Um, I'm definitely gonna start with uh, knowing and being able to prove who killed JFK. Can you imagine how disappointed it would be if it was like, yeah, it was Lee Harvey Oswald? And I can prove it. (laughs) You're like, well, congratulations. uh, so I'll go with uh, JFK and then keep moving for, for 36 hours and then the hairline, uh, which I know is the same order you did. But it is. The hairline does intrigue me. Um, but I just, you know, having a bunch of hair growing out of my forehead <laughs> seems like a hassle. <laughs> I mean, your hair is, your hair is you know, a, a couple inches long. Yes. So I'm just... <laughs> yes, that's true. My whole life until the senior year of college, I had uh, very thick, swoopy bangs. And so it would be kind of like that, but instead of swoopy bangs, it would just be like jutting out of the front of my face. I think it would be swoopy over your eyes. Yeah, it would would be growing down. I would be like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, the engineer guy. All right. Oh, Jordy LaForge. Yes, exactly. Dan, would you rather be knocked down by a 70-pound girl riding a bicycle (laughs) or as a man find out that your shirt tail was out, you missed a belt loop, and your pant leg was stuck inside the top of your sock? There's a lot going on there. Or be lost in the wilderness with only three matches, three kitchen matches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get knocked down by the girl first. Okay. I'm going to go, and what was the second? Your shirt tail shirt is t- out. I'll do that for a second. Loop. The shirt okay. tail, the disheveled, and then getting lost in the wilderness with three matches. Definitely a last kitchen place. matches. Kitchen nice. matches. All right. Last wow. place. Yeah. And then would I rather have chronic constipation? Classic. Have to watch with my friends a video of every argument I've ever had with my parents oh. or be the first ranked person in a decelerated high school class. That sounds like a pretty short list, arguments you've had with your parents. It's probably short for me. I don't know if it's short for everyone. I can't imagine. It's probably pretty long for some people. My parents. I haven't either. Um, all right. Well, I will definitely go with, I guess, the argument I've had with my parents first. Although probably some of them would be pretty embarrassing because hmm. um, probably some are pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, but I don't think there's very many of them. Uh, and then I guess be the first, first ranked person in a decelerated high school class because that's probably just for a, a year or a semester and then chronic constipation yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. All right. And now to conclude. Good oh, plan. boy. The finals. With the three. I'm only going to be able to do the two of you because I only have three questions oh, left. Thank you. Um <clears throat> But we're going to do the, the fourth question, which is random, okay. which should yield some interesting results. Okay. okay. The All two... Right. We're ready. All right. How am I going to do this? We're do you ready. want me to do 
for you, Max, that yes. you get all the first options, or do you want me to like alternate? Uh, I think you should zigzag. Zigzag. All right. <clears throat> Would you rather always have a strong wind in your face? Okay. Or discover that an ancestor was a notorious outlaw? Okay. Or plow 20 acres uh, with an ox to help you? Wait, I didn't zigzag. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Those are options. Well, I think the wind in my face would be very interesting, especially if I went with the hair growing out of my forehead. <laughs> um, well, so let's see. So I, I love the outlaw thing. So I'm going to definitely go with the ancestor was an outlaw. I think that sounds pretty fun. Um, and then plow how much? 20 acres. With an ox. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to plow. The ox probably does. Well, I imagine he knows. He studied. <laughs> he'll, he'll be doing most of the heavy lifting here. Well, that's exactly right. So I, I would go with the ox. It doesn't say I have to do it well. Uh, I could, you know, I can always go back and check my work. Um, yeah. And then finally True. would be the, the wind in my face. Nice. I just, my hearing is already like kind of iffy. So I think having a wind blowing in my face all the time would kind of ruin that. Plus it's hard to sleep. It's hard to sleep with wind blowing in your face. Unless you're me. Yeah, I was going to say, just to ask sleep. Leah Reed. It's hard to sleep without wind blowing in your face. <laughs> also could dry out your sinuses to constantly get the breeze. Oh, that's true. True. That would be nice. You're, yeah, your eyes. Oh, would... but your lips would be so chapped. True. If people get close enough to you, like if you hug people, do they feel the breeze? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Is it an actual breeze or do you just feel it? Just it says, feel the it says, you know, well, it's a strong wind. <laughs> a strong wind. <laughs> They've got to be able to feel it. <laughs> That does sound unpleasant. Localized in your face. Would you rather have to go through every minute of life in a wet drizzle or (laughs) discover that an ancestor was a famous artist or plow a quarter acre plot of land by hand with a standard garden tool? All right. I'm going for find out that the ancestor was an artist. Yep. Do the plowing. Yep. And then what was the third? The drizzle. The drizzle. No, I don't want to be the light drizzle. How much is an acre? Standard parcel of the house is on usually. Yeah. Okay. So a quarter of that. Dan, you said you didn't have a lot of fights with your parents. Right. But you've also said that you were kind of a punk kid growing up. Yes. Like you were a rebel. How did that not translate into butting heads with your parents? Well, I was pretty obedient. Um, I'm trying to remember. I wasn't like a like mean to my parents or I didn't like disobey them. But I was more. I think my disobedience was more like targeted toward God, to be honest, mm-hmm. not wanting to obey God. I, I generally got along pretty well. I mean, granted, like any teenager, there'd be things I was told to do that I didn't want to do. Or, yeah. Like, I, I really hated raking leaves, for example. Sure. And shoveling snow. Okay. <laughs> but it was never, like, lifestyle Like, I'm never going to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, well, Scott. Maybe they'll listen and be like, I remember that differently. <laughs> now you listen to me, Dan. I'm also full of medication for my head cold right now. That's right. So Dan Marcella did text me this morning. He said, hey, I'm feeling really sick, but it's not COVID. So I'll see you at the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, All right. <laughs> Scott, give us a number between one and a thousand and one. Well, I'm going to go with today's date. 721. Ooh, 721. This, of course, coming from the book 1001 Things. You always wanted to know about the Bible, but never thought to ask by the Reverend Dr. Joseph Stephen Lang, the fourth. Joseph? PhD. PhD, MD. Esquire. Uh, the third. Yes, that's right. BBC. Uh, author of the complete book of Bible trivia with over 600 million copies sold. 721 is going to come to us hot off the presses out of the section titled Ideas. Ooh, we're getting spicy today. Uh, 
Uh, liberation theology. This theological movement was popular in the 1960s and 70s. As everyone now admits, it was more influenced by Marxism than by the Bible. Oh. Liberation theologians played down the New Testament's teachings on mercy, kindness, and forgiving one's enemies, and instead focused on the image of God as the divine liberator, freeing people from oppression as he did the Israelites in Exodus. Critics of liberation theology pointed out that Exodus shows God as the liberator, but that the Israelites themselves did not use violence for their liberation. While liberation theologians condoned the use of violence, as Marxism has declined in popularity, so has liberation theology. I have never heard of liberation theology. Is that something that either of you are familiar with at all? I've heard of it, I've, but I don't. I've heard of it too, really but not much about it. I know it's not like in vogue anymore. Sure, yeah. Um, he does make an interesting point. Uh, or at least a point that's adjacent to something that I kind of want to talk about when he says, you know, the Israelites didn't use violence themselves to be liberated from Egypt, and that is very true. Um, and this is a question that gets thrown around quite a bit with uh, when the Israelites were taking back the uh, promised land, they killed just a ton of people, um, you know, in order to, to, to retake the land that God had, had set aside for them. Is there a, a theology of why the Israelites had to use violence in order to take back um, the Holy Land? It couldn't be just something like God just picked people up and moved them out of the way or, or stuff like that? I'm trying to remember where this is. I don't have my Bible on me because I forgot it. And I was like, darn, I forgot it. It's the podcast day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I always needed it here at the podcast. But I, I believe that it's with... When the angel is talking to Abraham, talking about how, man, I'm like so out of it. I'm no, sorry. you're so sick. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be fine. So the angel is talking to Abraham. You could just edit that up. So the angel is talking to Abraham <laughs> about how the sins of the all those different ites hmm. in, that were living in Canaan at the time, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, they weren't like fully there yet, but they were like getting there to where he couldn't tolerate it anymore. Yeah. And so that the idea being that that God's using the Israelites to punish people for their sin, mm. punish nations for not turning to God, yeah. that they were kind of like the instruments of God's wrath against them for having not turned to him or just having led very incredibly sinful lives for generations upon generations. Mm. In Genesis 15, it says, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, like predicting what would happen to them in Egypt. Mm -hmm. They'll be enslaved and mistreated there. Then in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so he's kind of like waiting for their sin to build up to a certain level. Sure. Yeah. Where he couldn't tolerate it anymore. Right. Yeah, that's actually very similar to to this... I think this is where I'm looking. So basically I, what I'm trying to find is a passage that was referenced in a video I was watching about biblical understandings of homosexuality. Because mm. there's like a very common um, tact that people use to, to say that the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality, which is to say that the strongest condemnation we have of it or the most explicit condemnation we have of it is in the Old Testament, in the Levitical law, and they, you know, their point is, oh, we're not under the law anymore, and you, you eat shellfish, and you wear, you know, you don't Mixed follow clothes. all these laws. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> but in this video, one of the things that the guy pointed out who was talking about it, I think it was based off of this passage, was that in this <coughs> um, 
section where it talks about that. I'm not even 100% sure if this is that section, but I think it is because it's called unlawful sexual relations. It says in the beginning of chapter Leviticus 18, um, you must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. Uh, and then later on it says, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Mm. Um, the native born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things, for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Hmm. Uh, everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be kept off, <clears throat> cut off from their people. Um, keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. Um, <clears throat> and wow. so the point that was being made in the video is essentially, and I, th I think it's this passage, but I'm not 100% sure, because um, I feel like it wasn't just sexual relations. I feel like there was another. But anyway, the point is the same, which is basically like this law that's being given here kind of separately, it seems, from the rest of Leviticus is, like, it's not God um, describing, like, a sort of specific, um, like, covenantal or a theocratical law, but it's more of, like, a universal moral law, hmm. and he's punishing those outside of Israel uh, for this, for these same sins, and so it shows that, like, because there are parts of Levitical law that were specifically for the Israelites, uh, but then there's other parts like this and maybe another passage that I wish I could remember if this was it for sure, but where God points out pretty clearly like that the, the, the other people groups are being punished for committing these sins. So it's, it's outside of just the Levitical law. It's actually a more of a, a universal moral law. But anyway, um, so the idea there is very similar to what Dan was saying that, you know, the people there were practicing really heinous sins. Um, and so this is, this is God's judgment on them. And this is an interesting time in history where like the people of God were established, but they hadn't, been like they weren't a country they weren't a nation yet right um and before this happened like when he was talking to abraham there were no people of god like there were just people that knew god mm -hmm. which means that god was knowable by anyone and how they knew him i don't know the bible doesn't make it super clear but like people like abraham and and lot um knew the real god um and so there were probably other people that did too, hmm. which means that just because they weren't in God's people at this time, well, this is true at all times, but like they had no excuse. Like God was knowable. I'm sure he, just as he reached out to Abraham, not just as, but like he reached out to Abraham, he established a relationship with him. God wants a relationship with everyone. Hmm. Like I'm sure there were times when God like revealed himself to these people or to their ancestors um, or tried to save them, like when he sent Jonah to the Ninevites. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm sure there was, you know, they weren't just these, like, stupid, ignorant pagans that had no clue who God was. Like, they had just as much opportunity as Abraham did um, before Abraham became, you know, the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't take it, and they continued to live in sin. Uh, and so their judgment was was just. Hmm. I wanted to ask, uh, on the other side, just reading this uh, was an interesting thing for me, just because of the phrase that he uses in the, the second uh, sentence of this, 
Uh, I'll, I'll read the first two sentences just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, this liberation theology, this theological movement was popular in the 1960s and 1970s. As everyone now admits, it has it was more influenced by Marxism than by the Bible. Uh, the phrase, as everyone now admits, um, is kind of strong because obviously mm. using the, the word everyone uh, is never a great idea when you're trying to make a point. Um, hyperbole. Hyperbole. So my question to you is, you know, there are a lot of um, sources, a lot of commentaries, a lot of places we can go to hear perspectives on the Bible, to hear perspectives on theology. How can we try to dodge editorializing? How can we try and dodge, um, you know, people's personal opinions or their political opinions or their, you know, life experience sort of bleeding into their analysis of, of the Bible? And maybe the answer is we can't. Um, but Scott, you're always like the first person to say that the Bible isn't about us, right? The Bible isn't the story of humanity. It's, it's describing who God is. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether it's a podcast that you listen to, including this one, uh, Mm -hmm. or a commentary that you read or a thing you see on Facebook, um, you know, how can we, what methods can we take? What methods do you guys take to make sure that like what you're taking in is, is accurate, um, and I guess the first thing I would, I would say that this reminds me of is in Acts, I believe it is, when Paul um, and Silas go to Berea. Um, they get kicked out of mm. the city that they're in. They go to Berea. They um, share the gospel there with the Jews and the Jews in the, in the temple or in the tabernacle in, in Berea. What am I thinking? It's not tabernacle. It synagogue. is synagogue. Thank you, Dan. Uh, their response to hearing the gospel is they immediately just like dig into scripture. Like they're mm. like, well, we've got to find out if this is true. So mm. let's review all the scripture we have and compare this, these claims. And like, because of that process, many of them are saved because they, Paul and Silas are able to make arguments based on scripture of like, Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because of that, many Greeks are saved as well because they're Jewish, you know, community members, their Jewish counterparts are doing this heavy lifting of, of sifting through, yeah. um, the old Testament and That's super cool. Right. Yeah. Um, but Paul encountered plenty of people who were editorializing or, or, yeah. you know, sort of wielding the gospel in, in different ways, sometimes unknowingly mm. and sometimes very knowingly. Um, you know, how, how does that, how can we be protected from that now? Mm. Mm. Something that springs to my mind is probably liberation theology spraying out in that time due to circumstances going on in the world as kind of a reaction to, hmm. you know, a set of circumstances or think world events. And my, I guess my caution would be, be careful about what you're consuming when it comes to like things that are hot off the presses about like right now, hmm. the issues of right now, they're happening right now. I've just hmm. give, maybe giving that just a little bit of pause because it maybe it's a reaction. Maybe it's editorializing and you don't want to hmm. go down that trail. Maybe it's, <laughs> something that's true. Maybe sure. it's, maybe it's not, not like liberation theology turned out to not be so hot, <laughs> <laughs> but like mm. the hyper relevant. Yeah. Of like, Oh, we got to react to everything that's happening today yeah. and mm. right now to the news and mm. just being familiar with, with scripture and staying in it, you know, regularly every day if you can, because Christians and people who, pretend to be Christians um, will say things that sound 
right or that sound true or that sound like they could be based off of the Bible and and then they're just not. Um, and and I think you know we need to just be really careful that we're that we're not equating political agendas or or cultural trends or our own preferences, which is oof, with with what the scriptures actually say, um, which is really hard. Uh, I think that that's just the easiest way to um, to combat that is to compare things to the scriptures like you were just describing with Paul and Silas, you know, that's, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple to Google whether or not something's in the Bible, um, Mm. or to Google what the Bible says about a particular issue. Um, because, you know, Google is Google, but if it brings you to a passage of the Bible, like that's what the Bible says, Mm. (laughs) uh, or you can just see what the reference is and look it up in your own Bible. If you don't trust the internet, like whatever, it doesn't matter, but, uh, it's not that hard to just check. Uh, And I think it's really important to just check. And when it comes to like reading, you know, or reading books or, or commentaries or, or watching videos, listening to podcasts, like those things can all be really, really great and really, really edifying. Um, and this is just something that I think comes with like intellectual and spiritual maturity, but just, not assuming that because it's in something that you like and or it's from someone that you respect that it's automatically true. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that I like. I'm I'm reading a commentary right now on Revelation, which is not something that I am even remotely an expert on. But the guy, the it's um, Matthew Henry's commentary, and he said something, and I was like, oh, I don't know if that's true or not. It's an interesting perspective, uh, an interesting interpretation. Maybe it's true, mm-hmm. but that's never how I understood it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that there's not valuable things in there. And yeah. and in this podcast, we might say something. We probably have said something that's not true, <laughs> or you know, a sermon, whatever. Like, you can appreciate content. You can gain things from a source, and they can still say things that aren't aren't quite on the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's especially hard when the things that are being said are things that you want to hear. Um, it's very true. And mm-hmm. uh, or or things that you. Um, you know, that are supporting a position that you want supported. Um, and that's right. It's especially enticing to say things to people that they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that shows up in the book of Isaiah. Uh, from Isaiah 30, let's do verse 8 to verse 11. Uh, now go and write down these words, write them in a book. They will stand until the time as a, into the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell their seers, stop seeing visions. And they tell their prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom, get off the narrow path and stop telling us about the Holy one of Israel. Mm. Um, man, again, uh, I'm going to switch to the, the, ESV so we can get the, uh, what its perspective is. Um, it says, do not see to the prophets, do not prophesy to us. What is right. Speak to us, smooth things, prophesy illusions. Hmm. Um, I just love that. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Um, sweet little lies. And man, (laughs) tell us lies, tell us sweet little lies. But like, I think typically that gets characterized as like, you know, politicians or, or people who don't believe in God or, or what have you. Um, but you can beg someone who does believe in God to tell you nice things and to tell you lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a wise Ukrainian uh, woman who was a, a, a big mentor to me in my life once said, loving someone is not telling them what they want to hear. It's telling them the truth. 
Um, mm. But uh, I think uh, you're absolutely right, um, Scott, in that that is just such a uh, a minefield sometimes. <laughs> um, any last thoughts before we move on? Let's get into Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week, I don't have a sponsor. Dan, who's sponsoring Topic of the Week this week? The Missions Emphasis Seminar. Ooh, what is that? It's all about how to connect with your Muslim neighbors, dispelling stereotypes about Islam. That's amazing. And where does Christ fit in in the, in the Quran? What do Muslims actually believe? And how can we relate to them and show Christ to them? Wow. So it's uh, Saturday, August 28th from 1 to 3 p.m. right here in the Common Grounds Room. It's oh, free. It's here. Yeah. Ooh. And we're going to then take a field trip at 3 o'clock to a local mosque. That is so See cool. How they do things. Man. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Um, when it comes to interactions with, uh, you know, um, other faiths and, and people who, you know, are agnostic or, or believe in, in different gods or uh, have their own interpretations of even the Bible, um, I wanted, that raises an interesting point that, that was raised to me um, from something that uh, someone sent a friend of mine um, that was basically like um, Descartes, I think, is the one who has the square of like whether or not you should believe in God and like rationally it makes more sense to believe in God. Oh, the Pascal's Wager? Pascal's Wager, that's correct. So in a similar vein, um, it was a description of, you know, if you believe in a God and you live a moral life and there isn't a God, uh, then you die, but at least you live a moral life. Mm. Um, uh, and that then going through sort of the square of if you believe in a God and there is a God, if you believe in a God, there isn't. If you don't believe in there is, don't believe in there isn't. Um, and saying like that is the most rational way. Um, and that was sent to a friend of mine by by someone uh, who has fallen away from the church and now holds more of like an agnostic and a, mm-hmm. and a more sort of spiritualistic perspective. Um, and his point was he was like, see, like we can believe the same things because I, I, you know, I'm in favor of this idea of living a moral or like, you know, whatever uh, virtuous, vir- virtuistic uh, mm-hmm. life, a life of virtue. Um, if that was sent to you, and I know this is a little reductionistic because obviously, you know, it depends on the relationship you have with the person. How can you encourage the things that are true mm-hmm. in that statement while also firmly and lovingly making it clear the parts, the sort of the assumptions that are made of like, well, virtue, you know, if we're all virtuous, then we'll, you know, God will weigh us based on our actions, which is something that we brought up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the beliefs of Judaism and why Judaism, modern day Judaism is not an evangelistic uh, belief system because Mm -hmm. they believe that, you know, whatever you believe, some people can get into heaven and some people can't just based on, you know, how well they pursue uh, what God considers a, a virtuistic lifestyle. Keep trying not to say virtual. Uh, <laughs> so how, in response to sort of that... Virtuous. Virtuous. A virtuous, thank you. Virtuous lifestyle. That was the first thing you said. Did I? Yeah. I think I said virtuistic. Well, you said virtuous, and then you said virtuous. I'm just inventing words over here. Uh, virtuistical. <laughs> virtuistical. Um, <laughs> lifestyle. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me your thoughts. If somebody was to say that to you, someone that you have sort of a relationship with, you know, how can you affirm the things that are true in that? Um, while at the same time, you know, being firm and loving about the things that aren't true uh, mm-hmm. in that. Because um, I think that's that's probably a perspective that's held by a lot of agnostics uh, or at least a lot of people. Like who, I live a good moral life. Yeah, like people who grew up as cultural Christians and have since renounced 
the Christian part are now just cultural. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a uh, quick aside? Have, have you noticed a lot of people having both of you gone to Wheaton college? Yeah. I've had a lot of friends of yours you went to college with have kind of gone that direction. I'm curious. Um, just, hey, I'd have I'll to be only, on social media. I only more. keep up with like four people. <laughs> okay. We're just the curious. wrong people to ask curious. about what other people are doing. True. Cause like, I know people having gone like to Christian colleges, like even the divorce rate is super high. So, wow. Yeah. Like with, when it comes to Christian lifestyle, people sure. keep it up after I just, you can yeah, knock that out. That's a great question. My, no, I think that's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, I think probably at Christian colleges, you've got a pretty healthy split. I don't know where the split is. If it's 50-50 or 60-40, it doesn't really make a difference. But a pretty healthy split between people that are genuinely, you know, walking with God and that's, you know, what they, you know, they want to be there because they yeah. want to to grow in their faith and they want to, you know, be educated in a Christian environment. And, and those people are just going to kind of quietly live out their, live out their faith and you'll never really think about them in that regard. And then the other split is the people that were raised in a Christian household and, and either don't really want to be there or, or think they want to be there because it's just the way that, you know, their parents kind of raise them to think. And then once they get out of it, then they realize like, Oh, this actually isn't, as fun or as whatever as, as the other alternative. And those are the mm. people that you then hear about. Um, so, mm. I mean, there are definitely people, not that necessarily people that I know personally, but like people that Chelsea knows who, who are walking down interesting paths, mm. not even necessarily agnostic, but like pretty, pretty loose with their theology and mm-hmm. just kind of believing whatever is convenient. Yeah. yeah it seems to be a day and age where, a lot of famous Christians now denounce what they believed or what they preached or taught or yeah. wrote about. Right. Yeah. I was reading. I don't think I brought this up on the podcast, but maybe I did. Um, Listeners, write in. If, if podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. If you heard this the next, before, once the the last three episodes have been released, <laughs> let me know if you heard this already. <laughs> um, but I was just reading this book called Seek First, which I think I brought up once or twice in the podcast. And, and, uh, I don't remember why this came up, <laughs> but he was talking about, um, like the quote unquote decline of Christianity, mm. um, which he like, I would say pretty thoroughly debunked. Um, he's like, well, first of all, Christianity is not on the decline in a global sense at all. It's actually growing exponentially in other parts of the world. And he's like, and he said that he doesn't even think American Christianity is really on the decline. He thinks that American cultural Christianity is on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, he talks about something that that's come up a number of times, I think in staff meeting conversations and stuff, but just this idea that for a long time, uh, well, what he said is this, the book was written in 2019. He said that in 2019, and this honestly, this is surprising to me, 70% of Americans identify as Christian, but about 36% like are going to church on a regular basis, hmm. which doesn't make you a Christian, but you know, it is at least indicative of a desire to live out a faith. Right. Um, he also said that every president we've ever had is claimed to be a Christian, hmm. which is like, whoa, not like it makes sense, but it's also like, oh, it's kind of surprising. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. They all do but, the prayer breakfasts. And the, <laughs> right. And, uh, but it, what he's saying, you know, is now Christianity, which used to have a social benefit, which is why every president ever has claimed to be a Christian. Uh, and some of them of course were, but, uh, it used to have a social benefit and now it's starting to have a social cost. And so the people that were cultural Christians are just shedding that because they don't need it anymore to get the social, um, 
benefit yeah. um, that they that they got before. Mm. So, and he thinks, and I would agree that it's a good thing um, that this is happening. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it is going to be happening, but I think the American church will be a lot better off for it, and hopefully. This isn't a guarantee, but I've been, I've just been thinking about the conversations we've been having in staff meeting and 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 just some of the things that have happened regarding like pastoral abuse. And I know that not every pastor that has you know committed sexual misconduct or whatever, like I don't I don't believe that they're all like you know faux Christians, just kind of. But I do think that with Christianity being such a huge um, like cultural institution, like people are drawn to it and within it drawn into the positions of power. And so you get people mm. in right. pastoral roles who really have no business being there because mm. they want to be there and they don't even know this necessarily, but they want to be there because of the sway it gives them. Um, so hopefully mm. we'll see less of that. Yeah. Well, Going back to your question that yeah. I, I really derailed us off of. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bill's not here to keep us on task. We're right. <laughs> I think how I would respond to someone who says that kind of, well, I, I want to live a good, you know, virtuistical. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Virtuous lifestyle. Like, so, like you said, I think your question was like, how would you affirm that and also like kind of point them to Christ? Yeah. How do you affirm and then like shape it as well? Like, that's a good goal to have. Obviously, not going around being a serial killer, being a little hyperbolic in that sense, but like, <laughs> not going, not intentionally trying to hurt people to try to live your life in a positive way, in a, mm-hmm. in a way that's going to build other people up. And that's a good thing. Like, it's being a benefit to society instead of a harm to society. But I guess that it really comes down to who sets these rules of what being virtuous is. Like, mm-hmm. if we all have a different definition of virtuous, maybe. Adolf Hitler thought he was being virtuous by eradicating Jewish people hmm. from the face of the planet. Hmm. It, maybe other dictators, other people who, that what they were doing, what they thought was virtuous and right, was actually doing a lot of harm and evil. Yeah. And so that they're really, we really need to align ourselves by a, a standard. And God, God sets that standard. Mm-hmm. Because if we're left to our own devices, we can really, we can really lead to like abuse. And right. Even our best intentions can get us really off track. Yeah, we need something to, like a north star to keep us pointed in the right direction. That's Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's it is pretty, at least to us, like as people who understand who the truth is, like it can be easier to see like what mm-hmm. human engineered virtue eventually leads to, mm-hmm. um, which is the worshiping of humans, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's humans collectively or an individual human um, or just the self. Um, but you know, that question of like, well, depends what you mean by virtue, right? I want to live a virtuous life. Well, what is a virtuous life and and who is defining what virtue is? Are you wanting to be a monk? Is that a virtuous <laughs> life? Is it just like doing things that just benefit yourself and please yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the person, they sent this to you. Is that what you said? Uh, or, to or a friend of mine. Someone sent something like this yes, to a fr- okay. That's correct. Were they the person that sent it? Were they referencing Pascal's wager? Uh, I don't think so. I'd be surprised. Okay. Uh, but it, they, it was like a Facebook thing that they saw that they forwarded. Okay. So I think whoever made the Facebook thing is probably aware of Pascal's wager. That, or they think that they just invented Pascal's wager. <laughs> and so was this person? I, I guess I, I want to know, like, is the I, like the the Pascal's yeah. wager? 
thought process like a part of it or is it just like I or is it just like virtue? Well, okay, I don't know what you mean. Well, because if Pascal's wager is a part of it, I mean, Pascal's wager is an interesting intellectual exercise, right. but also, like, totally worthless. Right. Um, and if this person is saying, like, I be- which it doesn't sound like they are, right. but if they were saying, like, I believe in a God, um, and so, like, I'm, like, on the right track, or, like, I believe in a God broadly, and so, therefore, I want to live a virtuous life, and so I'm on the right track, whatever. Right. Like, there are lots of issues with that um because if we look at the scriptures they're pretty it's very exclusive like it's not just can't just believe in a god like you need to believe in the god who is triune and what he did like so so that's kind of something if if they're coming at it from that perspective of like oh i believe in i believe in god and it's like well that's actually that's not enough right like believing in god is not going to get you into heaven yeah um but if they're not coming if they're just coming from a kind of a virtue standpoint i mean there are a lot of ways to address um the flaw in that thinking i mean one way is to look at it from like sort of a like a a justice and like a legal perspective and say like, you know, if you like basically, you know, have you ever done anything that you think is wrong? Have you ever lied? Have you ever like, like, you know, went off on someone? Have you ever like, I don't know, anything, anything that like you, you would categorize as wrong at all. Right. Okay. Well, let's imagine that there is like a cosmic scale of right and wrong and the things that are on the wrong side, whatever it is that you just described is like, that's a crime. You've committed a crime in like the cosmic sense of what is right and wrong. And it's like, if you looked at like, if, if someone, you know, another person, not you murdered someone just once, um, and then they also like volunteered at a soup kitchen uh, and they, you know, they held doors open for elderly people and they gave to charity. Like, should they just get off for their crime because they did all those good things? And most rational people would not say yes um, because like they understand the severity of murder, but they don't understand the severity of, of their own sin. Um, but it's really, it's the same. Um, hmm. no, so if you have sinned once, you have committed a crime uh, that needs to be punished or, or needs to be, you know, there needs to be consequence for it. Um, the reason for that is of course, because of God's justice. But uh, so living a virtuous life, if, if you admit to having ever done anything wrong, even as a kid, it doesn't matter. You still need to pay the, the penalty for your crime. Mm. Um, so like your virtuous life is meaningless uh, in this, in terms of getting you into heaven. Another way of thinking about it is like, think about heaven. Like, do you think people are going to be lying in heaven? Like, no. Well, what's going to be keeping them from lying? Are liars allowed into heaven? Have you ever lied? Do you really think you're going to get into heaven? Like, mm-hmm. heaven can only be perfect if there are no sinful people there. And the only way that there can be no sinful people there is by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, yeah. Or another way to, to approach it is, like, I, this might not be as effective. It kind of depends on how, how the person thinks. But, like, yeah. Mother Teresa... Like, do you think you're as good of a person as Mother Teresa? Have you done as much good in the world as she has? Because you know what she thinks about herself? She does not deserve to go to heaven. Hmm. Um, so there, there's so many different <laughs> different tacks you can take that it's like your virtue is not sufficient. Sure. And the affirming side? 
Dan took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of hard to come up with an affirming sign. I like the good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> I don't know if Dan was that strong of a good cop. But I was not that strong of a good cop. Was like, um, good for you now. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and and I think that is ultimately, at least in my eyes, one of the hardest things um, is trying to... I guess I'd say like speak truth in love because I definitely grew up feeling like and hearing that like speaking the truth in love either leads to like alienating everyone because you're speaking too much truth or not standing for anything mm. uh, because you have no, no truth. No truth. Too much love. Um, <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, too much love. Um, and I, and I think, I don't know if there are many people like me in the world or people like me who are listening, but that generates a lot of anxiety in me of like, how in the world am I supposed to strike that balance? Right. How am I supposed to do what Jesus did, which is like, see by looking at an individual person, all of the horrible things Mm -hmm. that live in them and, and the actions that they've chosen to do, uh, and the things that they've chosen to think and, and act on, um, and to still say to them, like, go and sin no more, and to still call them out and tell them exactly what mm-hmm. they've done, um, but to also say, like, and it doesn't have to be like this, um, and for them to to believe him when he says that he loves them. Um, and, uh, man, it's just, like, it's, it's a little anxiety-producing in me because I think ultimately, uh, though I'm being, you know, I'm, I feel at this point in my life, I'm getting dragged a little bit, kicking and screaming into it. Like evangelism is a necessary part of who we are. Um, at least being able to at any time give an account for why you believe what you believe. Um, and, uh, and understanding that lives are on the line every time we interact with people who don't know who Jesus mm. is, yeah. including people who think they know who Jesus is, but don't. Um, yeah. And so like, that's something that I've been wrestling with. So I appreciate you guys weighing in on that to be sure. Um, I certainly, the majority of my life have rested firmly on the, like, just get out your, get out your sledgehammer and start swinging. (laughs) Uh, but to be fair, it hasn't gotten me very far, um, in terms of, uh, evangelism or having people who don't believe in God, like really truly feel known by me or loved by me. Mm. Um, so that's something that that I'm kind of processing right now. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys weighing in on that because, uh, ultimately, we're called to be like Jesus. And from my perspective, besides being perfect and besides dying on the cross for my sins, just the way he behaved mm. is impossible. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, so we got a long way to go. Um, but ultimately, you know, he's making us more like him mm. as well. Um, and he doesn't call us just one way of evangelism either, I think. That's right. When I was younger, I thought I had to do it a certain way. And my friend was really, a good friend at the time was... Really pressuring me in a good way, but I didn't really want to do it to go out like street evangelizing. That's not kind of me. Yeah, like, it doesn't sound like you. No, <laughs> like you know, twelve beers, and the person would list off twelve beers. Like, well, do you, or no, ten beers. And like, oh, do you know the Ten Commandments? And then strike up like a spiritual conversation. <laughs> I just found it very awkward. But I felt like, oh, that's like what evangelism is. But over time, the Lord really showed me. No, it's just in a context of a relationship with people you know that you work with. Mm-hmm. You know finding ways to bring up spiritual conversations and yeah. telling people that you pray for them. Hmm. If someone says something to you, try to work the Lord in. If it doesn't make you sound crazy or weird. Sure. 
tell them the truth about yeah. how you see God at work in your life. Yeah. Step one, hopefully, is seeing God at work in your life. So <laughs> I remember one time I was, I was probably like 21 or 20 working at a store, Home Depot, and the manager came up to me and was like, you're doing a really good job and this and this and that. And I was like, well, it's all about giving the Lord glory. Just walked away, <laughs> or you know, just like inserting truth about who God is or why you do what you do. Sure, well, like I just walked away, but I was like, it's about <laughs> it's about giving God glory. See ya. God glory. <laughs> I'm off to go move these pylons. But I, more and more, I think I need to pray for God to give me boldness to have. Mm. I was incredibly bold back in those days. <laughs> to just say stuff like that. Mm. But, yeah. yeah, it's also discernment of when is the right time to say it. Sure. And how to say it. And yeah. Definitely mm. relying on the Holy Spirit for help. Mm. Mm. Well, it's a great sponsorship segment. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. We are just... You were looking right at me, and I was like, well, I got something. We're just about out of time, so I don't know if we'll get a chance to do Topic of the Week. I guess for our closing segment this week... What's topic of the Week? Uh, for our oh. closing segment this week, Dan, can you tell us the story of how you and Amber met and how you fell in love? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Is, was I the only one that never got a chance to do it? Uh, that's right. Oh, wow. Way back in episode three, I think Scott and Bill told their stories, and and we said we'd get to you and me later. So now it's your turn. I think it's your turn. <laughs> um, Amber and I met in 2007. We met, actually, December 2006, on a, I got a phone call. Mm. Um, because it was Amber. Yes. <laughs> she called to talk to my dad because we were going on a missions trip, her church and my church to Ecuador and they had met the year prior. So, and then I got on the phone and talked with her and excused myself. But like, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's really awkward. Amazing. I'm off the phone. <laughs> like, we had a nice conversation. I was like, well, how do I end this? <laughs> anyway. Of goodbye. I screamed. I had to go to the bathroom and hang up. <laughs> I was like young. So not too young. Probably like Kristen's age. How old are you? How old were you, Dan? Probably like 21. That's 20, 21. That's old enough to talk to a girl on the phone, I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Without screaming that you have to go to the bathroom. I didn't scream. I just said it in a nice way. So we actually, we kind of were getting to know each other, corresponding a little bit, and then met uh, in the Houston airport, Bush International Airport, hmm. on the way to Ecuador. And so I was very smitten with her from when I laid eyes on her. So much so that I walked into the ladies' bathroom at Bush International. <laughs> to excuse myself for feeling awkward. Like, it's great to meet you. Like, we had talked to you, kind of built a little bit of a friendship over the phone. And yeah. So that trip, I wasn't really, I was focused on the things of the Lord, but I also had, <laughs> of course. I also was very focused on her. <laughs> she is a, a creation of the Lord. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so she actually accepted a job a couple hours from where I was living at the time where I grew up, two hours away. And um, so she moved out there. It was like unrelated to me. Yep. She had already accepted the job yep. when we met. And from so she moved from Minnesota to there. And I was like, I'll help you move in. So I helped her move in, and then Aww. I was go visit her all the time. Because um, you knew where she lived. Yeah. <laughs> and she was all she was very much into missions and wasn't interested in dating someone that wasn't, wasn't into missions. missions. And I was into missions. And like hey. to Hasidic Jews. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Which I think at that point, well, at that point, but a little bit prior when we had 
kind of built a friendship and talking over the phone, like you should consider the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Like you go to an Alliance church, why not consider Alliance missions? Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Hasidic Jew thing was out of the picture at that point. Okay. But everything's fuzzy because I'm not feeling well. Well, that's true. <laughs> so I, who knows? <laughs> um, I hope I, when we go to heaven, I can like replay my life a little bit, like and go back. Like, uh-huh. Go back and see like what actually happened. When we get to heaven, we'll update this episode so that we, there can we go. make sure that people get the true story. <laughs> we'll have unlimited episodes. <laughs> With special guest episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> and so I would go up and visit her, would drive the two hours. I was like in the craziest semester of school of my life. I was working. I was doing pre-student teaching stuff at school, hmm. which was intense. And then I would drive up and see her. And so we started dating and then got engaged only like four months later. Okay. We just knew we were right for each other. We were in love and hmm. like, why wait? <laughs> sure. So we got married the following, in May. So we felt it was like a year from when we met to when we got married. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I would go up and visit her and help with youth group stuff that she was doing. And eventually I moved in with a family from her church hmm. and uh, did my student teaching semester of college and then we got married man yeah how fast did you know that you wanted to get engaged um pretty darn quickly probably by the end of that trip okay <laughs> the ecuador trip yeah <laughs> nice. when you so while you're helping her move into her apartment you're like i like tried to hold her I'm hand on that trip with... and she's like no did you really you oh, tried yeah. to hold her hand on the airplane on the way back home what? she's probably gonna listen to this and be like you didn't just say that. And she, and she... She was like, no, yeah. we're not dating yet. Well, I mean, she was interested in missions. Uh, yes. And she was also interested in me. Well, oh. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope. At <laughs> some point. <laughs> wow. So I asked her to marry me. I drove up and, to where she lived. It was like the worst day in the world. Everything. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not taking this ring home. Like hey. It was raining. I couldn't take her to her spot. She had a really bad day. And it was like... I'll be there for you. The good days and the bad. Even though it's raining, we can't go to the spot that I picked out that I really want to ask you. Ah. Mm-hmm. And did so, it make her day better or worse? I hope, I hope better. I think good. Am- Amber Marcello, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can write into podcast at <laughs> bloomingdalechurch.org and tell us if getting proposed to by Dan made your bad day better. And you can come on the show and correct any flaws in my telling Amen. story. Amen. <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send those questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes and your own love story to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. That is Ugh. all the time we have this week. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. <laughs> uh, Bill. Wait, no. Scott. <laughs> Didn't I just do it last week? Or last time? Scott. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Take us home. <laughs> you can't pray You can't pray and do the take us home. Yeah, I can't. That's, it's just, it's like that's the, fair. That's a faux that's pas. Fair. And then tell a love story to be the trifecta. One day when it's just <laughs> me and Dan on this show, then he'll do all three. But until such Ooh. a time. <laughs> Well, you've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Does it have a meaning? Oh my gosh. Listeners, we're back. This is a bonus bit, but it's important for me to say... uh, what feels like years ago, Dan Marcello tied 
uh, for some kind of thing. I owe you jelly beans is the point. Yep, I, so I think I won, didn't every, I? Everyone jelly else beans. got their jelly beans. You tied Bill. You tied Bill for where in, in the Bible oh. is Carmen San Diego, the, the one that I designed was there a tiebreaker? to try and help Scott win. <laughs> you tied Bill, so it kind of worked. There wasn't a tiebreaker. He and Scott already got their jelly beans, what, it was like three weeks ago. So these are yours <laughs> Ooh, with, in, with you. interest. Ooh. So I got you some extra ones thank there. You. 30 flavors. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it was going to be 20 flavors, but it's been a couple weeks, so I wanted Thank to up you. it for you. Um, Fantastic. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I don't know how to end this little... Good being with you. Hey, great being with you. So what? So what is this pizza you've brought us today, Dan? There's two slices left. What happened to the other ones? <laughs> I was hungry. I succumbed. I didn't think anyone would notice. <laughs> Scott and his powers of observation. He got outed really hard there. Man. Well, uh, what he brought Give two him a break, Scott. <laughs> he, brought, he brought two pizzas and some Parmesan bites that were amazing wow. to the staff meeting. And one of the pizzas was like pepperoni and sausage, and the other one was, and it was devoured quickly. Olives and mushrooms. And the pepperoni and sausage did not survive, but the olives and mushrooms were, was mostly untouched. You should have okay. seen Donna Freeman's face. She came to get another slice. Uh-huh. She's like, "Ooh, pizza!" And like, "Well, the only one left is." She had like a, a nice smile. Uh-huh. The olive and mushroom. It was like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Darn! Welcome yeah, so like a couple pieces had been had been eaten. So when he said there was only two, that <laughs> really stood out to me. No, I ate the smallest one. As someone who doesn't like olives, but likes mushrooms and pizza, and it's cold, it's pretty good. Right, <laughs> I yes. find this to be a pretty good pizza. I can't do a pizza we should. <laughs> I came to the realization over the week that I was gone that, like, I love pineapple on pizza. Hmm. Like, I use, hmm. like, I've always thought Hawaiian pizza is pretty good. And, like, when I go to Mod, I put pineapple on my, on my pizza because it complements it nicely. And so I've always, like, liked it, but I realized, like, because we went to Papa Gino's, which is, like, a regional chain, um, which I haven't been to in, like, 15 years. Um, that was super good. And we got their Hawaiian and then we went to this other like local pizza place. Um, and Leah and I got, I got, well, we got two pizzas and split them. And one of them was whole, was pineapple and bacon. And I'm like, you know Ooh. what? Pineapple and pizza is just freaking amazing. And I think it's like, it's a controversial stance. It is. I know. Cause like, I've always liked it and but, like, it's only ever really, like, on Hawaiian pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I think Hawaiian, like, pineapple, just put it anywhere, and it's going to be, maybe not anywhere, but, like. Meat lovers in Hawaii. It's really good. I think a pineapple pepperoni pizza would be pretty good. That, I think that, so. No. Pineapple just, bacon sounds good. It was really good. Wow. It's like in Parks and Rec when Andy's like, maybe butter is my favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, really quick, uh, did you guys come prepared for? We both did. sort of. I'm trying to figure out. I'd rather do. I'd rather wait till Bill's back. I didn't realize that Bill oh. wasn't going to be. I here. think Bill will have a good. I think underrated character. I think it'd be really fun to do it with Bill. So we're gonna do something else instead. All right. All right. Well, I probably That's, don't need this. It's gonna be a surprise. <laughs> Max doesn't use the Bible. You definitely don't need a Bible for this topic of the week. <laughs> let me tell you what.